1: with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football. It's the Punt and Pass podcast. Dogs are winners. A national championship for a new generation of Bulldogs. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly. I've been laying, waiting for your next mistake. I put in work and watch my status escalate. Well, I'm I'm on, I'm on the Cornballs get stolen. Welcome in. Welcome
2: in to the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined alongside by my co-host, Jake Fromm. Be sure to follow us on social media, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. He's at Fromm, Jake, puntandpass.com, the number one destination for all things college football. October is flying by. Week 8 is on deck coming up this weekend, Jake. And we do have some pretty good games to talk about later on in this episode we'll go three and out first talk about the three biggest news and storylines across the great game of college football and we're going to reinvent the db3 piece for prize picks because it is broken um it is not working i take full responsibility for that i'm not going to blame anybody else except myself okay hand up that's on me so we'll workshop that here in just a little bit how are you brother
3: I like it. Let's spice some things up. Uh, Doing good into another work week in the NFL. Uh, Thankful to be here Um, and ready to get into it, ready to chat it up. And we got some great college football games coming up this weekend. Could not be more pumped up about
2: it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really pumped up. I feel re-energized. I feel reinvigorated. And a lot of that has to do with my new approach on prize picks. Okay. This episode of Punt and Pass is presented to you by Prize Picks. You know that by now. It's Thursday, it's Punt and Pass. It's college football season, it's Prize Picks. Download the Prize Picks app. Go to pricepicks.com. Use the promo code PUNT, P U N T, PUNT, and you get a 100% deposit match up to your first $100. The board just gets better and better each and every week on prize picks all you have to do is pick two to six players guess if they'll go more or less than their prize picks projection and you can win up to 25x your money also the sports eclipse is happening in a few weeks jake do you know what the sports eclipse is
3: dude talk to me enlighten me please the sports eclipse is when all five
2: major sports leagues play on the same day that is coming up and of course you could do cross sport entries on prize picks Check it out, cook up an awesome entry, and win 25x your money. Yeah, we're reinventing the DB3 piece. Yes, I don't know what it's going to be called yet, but we'll get to that in just a little bit. The most important thing is you download the Prize Picks app, you use the promo code PUNT, you tell your family members, you tell your friends, you tell anybody that will listen. Use the promo code PUNT, download the Prize Picks app, 100% deposit match up to your first $100. All right, so it's Wednesday. That's the work day in the NFL. What did you do today to get ready for the New York Giants, a division rival for the Washington Commanders?
3: Yeah, so uh, Wednesday is your basic uh, scouting report you get on the other team. You're installing uh, normal downs, which is first and second down, runs and passes. Um, you sit through some long meetings to get everything in. A lot uh, of meeting time, right? A lot lot of meeting time. Four hours, and
2: three hours, four hours. It's a lot of meeting time on Wednesdays. It's
3: a uh, it's a strong three, a strong three. Uh, and then you get out, get moving around, do a walkthrough, break for lunch, out at practice. And then you review, um, obviously, practice and the film work. Uh, and then we as quarterbacks, we stay and we get a little bit of an intro into tomorrow, which is our gotcha. uh, third down and kind of more situational stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a well-oiled machine in the NFL. That approach is pretty much the same for all 32 teams. And then look, when you get to Sunday, you roll it out there and see what happens. The most beautiful thing about the NFL. I get this question a lot. You might get it fairly often. Like what do you like more college football or NFL football? It's interesting because obviously I love college football. I mean, I love the university of Georgia. Everybody knows that I watch every game that's on TV But when it comes to the actual product, there is nothing better than the NFL. Every single game comes down to the last minute, evidenced by your game against the Atlanta Falcons just last week. I mean, that thing came down to the last possession,
3: but that happens every game, Jake. Am I right? Dude, it is. It's a well-oiled machine. They have it down to a science. Uh, it's coming down to whoever has the ball in their hands last yeah. and, and who can, can make the, the situational plays at the, the, you know, at the right time. So uh, it's crazy, honestly, just how every single game weekend and week out comes down to the wire, but that's just part of it, man. You just giddy up and then make sure you're along for the run.
2: That's it. I think the Minnesota Vikings a year ago were like eight yeah. and oh in one score games. And now yeah. this year so far they're like oh and four or oh and three. And obviously yeah. I think they're one and or two and four. I, I don't know, but
3: yeah, two to four better be least. good in those one
2: score games if you want to have a chance. Got to at the postseason. All right, let's go three and out. And the biggest news storyline that's obviously dominating college football, especially where we live and for the majority of our listeners, is the injury to Brock Powers. Yeah. Ankle injury, high ankle sprain, tightrope procedure uh, reportedly went very well. Timeline, four to six. Timeline, does Kirby Smart want to talk about it? No. My question to you, and I got this question. You probably got this question Text to you. Should he come back? Will he come back? What kind of advice is he getting? What is that thought process? Because four to six weeks, Jake, is right around the first weekend of December, which would be the SEC championship game for Georgia. So in a perfect world, Brock Bowers is feeling pretty good. He's getting some ankle mobility back. He's running some routes. His rehab's going well. And he gets the thumbs up from the training set that says, hey, man, you can go play Mercedes-Benz Stadium against whoever, assumingly Alabama in the SEC championship game. What is that discussion for Brock Bowers and his internal team?
3: Wow. I mean, just... I mean that's so loaded, but because I think it comes down to a lot of what this team does without him. If they're very well a, if they're making a run at a national championship, and Brock uh, believes that that he's needed to to go in and play in the SEC championship to to make the college football playoff, then my gut's telling me is that dude's going to play. He he's a football player. Um, man, he's a competitive dude, and I think he wants to be out there on the field. Um, But if for some reason they don't find themselves in Atlanta.
2: Yeah, he won't be the only one sitting out if for some reason they don't find themselves in Atlanta. I can guarantee you that.
3: Yeah. Um, And then I think also, too, if anything, um, if there's any hiccup or anything seems to go wrong at all uh, with his recovery, I, I think they'll hit pause on it um and then i think it comes down to then you know do they win in atlanta um are they in the college Bowl playoff and I, if if they are i believe he comes back and plays but yeah and for some reason they they happen to be out i think that that could be it
2: i think that makes the most sense right and, and a lot of that is I, you bring up a great point i hadn't thought about that hey how's george's offense playing like yeah. are they able to find a new identity which i would assume You know, maybe not as explicitly they're saying, but they're going into the second half coming out of a bye week going, we might need to reinvent some things with a game plan or or how we're going to attack the first 15 plays without Brock Bowers. How does that look? How is that going? Then, of course, how is his rehab going? Now, what may be the worst minute of my seven-year podcasting career, me trying to audibly describe what a tightrope procedure was on Monday's episode (laughs) – um, I have a, a little bit more detail right here. Tightrope surgery to repair high ankle sprain. The procedure involves using surgical thread instead of metal screws and is designed to accelerate recovery. So that reportedly went pretty well. Um, I've dealt with ankles before. Jake, I'm assuming you probably have. So much of it has to do with mobility. So much of it has to do with flexion. All those tendons that tighten up and tear during an ankle sprain, they have to get back normal. And then for a guy like Brock, who not only needs to cut and needs to accelerate, he needs to block. So a lot of weight bearing um, and angling off that ankle. This rehab is going to be really important
3: for him. Yeah. Very much that. I mean, cause what, what else can he do to improve his draft stock? And and my, my question would
2: be, well, the, the answer to that is nothing, obviously, right? I mean, all-American, world beater on the field, two national championships. He literally can do it all. The only way he can hurt his draft stock, I guess, is to really re-injure it, like break it or have something else happen around. I mean, what's around the ankle? The Achilles tendon is around the ankle. Uh, the knee has a lot of connectivity to Catherine. The the foot, cash, all yeah. that stuff oh, comes into play. So, of course, he's having those discussions with his team around a possible comeback. Now, all the fans, all the media, probably a lot of his teammates want to know, well, when's he coming back if he can? And Coach Kirby Smart had a pretty succinct answer when asked that, uh, I believe, in his Monday press conference. Quote, you really think I'm going to answer that question, Smart said, when asked about Bowers possibly returning? I mean, is that all this is about? All y'all want to talk about is if he's going to be back or not. Like that is the furthest thing from my concern right now. My concern is this team and getting Brock Bowers healthy. To answer that question is speculative, and I'm not going to speculate. Now, I get that, but people want to know what's the timeline. Is there a possibility? And here's what I would say. George Pickens. Okay, George Pickens. Granted, he didn't have national championship. He didn't have two national championships, but he was a guy with a bright NFL future, which is proving to be true right now. He fought his way back from a knee injury to get back on the playing field and made himself available for the SEC championship. So this has happened at Georgia. I look to what Alabama did a year ago. Bryce Young and Will Anderson, no reason to play in the Sugar Bowl last year. And they did. And they did. Football players play football, man. I mean, that's just as simple as it gets. Football players play football. By all accounts, I don't know. I've never talked to Brock. Seems like he loves football. Seems like he loves Georgia and his teammates. I think if he's healthy and the right situation is in place, I think he would play in an SEC championship game if his rehab
3: allowed him to. I I 100% agree agree with you. I mean, everything that I know uh, about Brock and have spent time with Brock and everything that I've gathered, all the information tells me that is if that dude can play, that dude's going to play. I I guess my last question on that would be like, what piece of it,
2: what is a piece of advice that you would get, or what is something that somebody could tell you Jake from to say, I'm going to shut it down. I I can't do it. Is is it really going to be, well, you could get hurt, uh, okay, well, I, I could get in an accident today. Like then the hypotheticals become way out of, uh, out of whack. So I don't know. I just, I don't see there's anything other than you could get hurt worse. That would make Brock Bowers not want to play if available, if healthy in the right situation.
3: Yeah. I, I think, I mean, in the simplistic form, I know this is going to sound kind of redundant, but if he's not a hundred percent don't play. Yeah. But if you're a hundred percent, I think he's going to play. So um, I I think it just uh, you know you just never know with recovery after surgery. um, Every single one is its own unique thing and its own unique deal. So we'll see, which is why uh, head coach Kirby Smart is not going to speculate here. No speculation.
2: Let me tell you what we do on the punt pass
3: podcast. We
2: speculate. (laughs) Okay, thank you. (laughs) And we're going to
3: exacerbate
1: all. Yes,
2: absolutely. Uh, The typical recovery time for a tightrope surgical procedure is four to six weeks, although some players have come back sooner and others later. No timeline, but we will be monitoring that quickly. I think he comes back in place, given the right situation, given that he is 100%. Um, Okay, well, I I was going to go here on second down, but we'll move coming off injury talk will stay in the SEC. News broke today. Head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks, Shane Beaver, dealing with an injury of his own. He broke his foot, Jake. He broke Same his team. foot after South Carolina lost to Florida. I think Florida scored 14 points in the last four minutes around there to win 41-39. I might have that detail wrong, but they dropped the game to Florida. They had the game in their grasp. Shane Beamer, after the game, not happy, kicked an object and broke his foot. He went to the media uh, earlier this week and said, I'm just going to get out in front of this so I don't have questions asked after Saturday's game. I broke my foot. You're going to see me in a boot or a cast on Saturday. I broke my foot. I did it because I was upset after the game. Coach Beamer, we got to work on your form or we got to pick out something better to kick. I don't know what he, I want to know what he kicked because that's pretty impressive to damn break your foot after kicking something. We got a lot to talk about here, a lot to break down. You you played on a Coach Beamer coach team. He was on staff at Georgia. Do you take him as a guy that kicks something in rage?
3: You know, I, I love the Beam team, but uh, the Beam team's got a uh, like a, an an emotional side to him. I, I can, I can <laughs> clearly, I I, I, can, I can see this happening. Um, you know, he he cares a lot. You know, he and he wants to win. I get it. Um, you would know just from your kicking experience. Yeah um that that must have been a a pretty heavy cooler must must have been i mean i'm just you know we love to speculate here right that's that's what we do here on the that
2: is what we do here
3: he must have thought it was an empty gatorade cooler and it just so happened to be filled up at least halfway uh with some form of hydration liquid so um that got him that got him good uh hate the broken foot man but uh I, i hate the beam team lose here um and, uh, yeah, that was a pretty bad loss, and uh, I, they definitely the game
2: one. To make matters worse, he, he can't really take high-level pain medication. Quote, Shane Beamer, the problem will be not being on any kind of pain medication because that will make me loopy when he's on the sideline. So he's just going to have to deal with the pain. Um, mm. And, yeah, you know, the form, I, I was a soccer-style kicker. You don't really want to come in on a, on a water cooler soccer style, you know, you probably needed to go for a stomping of it. Like uh, if you're watching on YouTube, like, like kicking like that, you know, with the bottom of your foot, I think that's probably what he needed to do. I don't know how good of an athlete he is, but to kick it, like toe bash it on, that's not what you want to do. Coach, you learn the hard way. I may know that he just, just from kicking many things way. in my, in my vicinity, but I'm oh, on man. Can't do that. Staying on Coach Beamer for a minute, though, he did catch a lot of heat, and this is a disturbing trend, might be a little exaggerated, but after the game, again, highly emotional. As you said, he's a fiery guy. He's highly competitive. He gets on the press podium after the game, Jake, and the last person he pointed at was himself i mean he threw his whole damn team under the bus essentially saying we called some perfect plays they didn't execute them they stopped when they were supposed to continue pressuring it was not a good look shane beamer just going through the blame game talking about why they lost to florida last weekend
3: yeah i uh i'm gonna have to agree with you there um it's definitely not a great look especially if i'm a player there on the team um, it just, it doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good too. um, kind of receiving that kind of, uh, criticism from your coach in, in that public setting like that. Like, yeah, coach, like grill me all you want, um, in our position meeting. Hey, if you want to grill me in a team meeting, I'll, yeah. take it. Uh, I'll be that guy. Like, you know, everybody gets grilled, you know, a couple of good times, the team meeting, everybody's been there, done that. Um, uh, but, uh, out there in the public like that, it ain't, it ain't great. Um, hopefully, you know, he, he learned from it and, and, uh, and refrains from doing that in the future, just, just from a player perspective. I, I don't think that's a great look.
2: Yeah. You're not gaining the trust of your players. Um, you're not making them want to play harder for you. I think the bigger thing to do, even if it were the case, and and he literally says, we called perfect plays as coaches, our players did not execute them. He says, If you know they're about to run a reverse, the best way to defend a reverse is to bring both guys off the edge. We called that. They didn't do it. Like, he is straight up calling out his players in the post-game press conference. The best way to do it would be take the blame, you know, however you want to mask that blame, and then go into a team meeting and say, I took the blame for you guys, and I shouldn't have because you sucked, because you (laughs) didn't execute the game plan, because you don't listen, because it's about the little things. Like, that probably sends the message a little bit better. In comparison, Dan Lanning, after Oregon's loss, and it was his fault this time, he took all the blame. He's like, yeah, that was my yeah. fault. I own it. Uh, I will apologize to my players. I'll be better for it. I don't know. That's like leadership 101, I feel like. I'm not saying Shane Meamer's not a good leader, uh, but that's a trend that you might want to try to buck here if you want to get South Carolina and those players to continue playing.
3: At or a something, high level. something you could say, too. That every coach says at some point in a press conference, "Hey, we just didn't execute." Yeah, Because exactly. Like, like that—that—that's vague enough. Everybody gets it, but you're not—you're not specifically pointing guys out here and there. It's like—it's like missing a ground ball between your legs in baseball, right? Everybody knows you messed up. I know I messed up. Yeah, you know, grandma in the stands who can't even see the game knows you messed up. You know, so.
2: Or it's like when a field goal kicker misses a kick to win the game in the last seconds, the coach and the players say, it's not always just one play when everybody knows (laughs) that one play meant a whole hell of a lot. So I I, look, I totally agree. I I totally agree. All right, let's go to third down. Uh, I found this one to be pretty fascinating for the third time in four weeks. A Pac-12 conference game was the weekend's most-watched college football game. The Pac-12, which has been completely obliterated, it is now the Pac-2 after this year, is going out with a bang. So many teams in the top 25, great quarterback play. Colorado, which dominated the headlines for the first half of the season. Michael Penix Jr., Washington's quarterback, now the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. Three out of four weeks, Jake, Pac-12 conference game, Weekend's most watched college football game. Crazy to me how this kind of resurgence of the Pac-12 is happening at a time where after this year it just goes poof.
3: Like we're in the middle of a uh, an ESPN thirty for thirty documentary about the Pac-12. Yes, you yeah, know, good
2: perspective I, there. That's definitely probably happening right now.
3: Like somehow or another, Oregon and Washington like end up winning out. Oregon beats Washington. At the end of the deal, they're both one loss, and somehow they both get in. And then I, we have—I could one hundred percent see that happen. And then we have a Pac-12 national championship game after they beat whoever, respectively, in the in the uh, in their uh, semifinal game. And then, like, it's a Pac-12 champion. Like, it could not be written any better than that. I mean, the only way it could be written any better than that is if the dogs three P. But we like to speculate, and we like to talk in hypotheticals here. We do. We love to do that. What if, and I don't even know
2: how this would be remotely possible. It would have to be complete carnage all across college football. But what if Washington were number one, Oregon were number three? Washington and Oregon both win their semifinal games, and it's an all-packed 12 National championship That's game in I mean, that could be wild. We'll get to some hypotheticals from the college football playoff in just a second because I was on a radio show earlier this week and they were just asking me questions about who do I think the four teams that will be in. And, dude, there are so many options right now so many. how the puzzle pieces could be put together. It's crazy. But to put a bow on this Pac-12 thing, people kind of got spun up and confused because ABC, the national ABC game, you would think they'd pick Washington, a top five team, Heisman front runner for their Pac 12 selection, the week of October 28th. That's next week. Who do you think they pick, though? The Colorado. Of course they did. Yeah. They picked Prime and yes. Colorado. So instead of Washington at Stanford, which you could probably understand.
1: It's
3: like George. That's like George Vandy. Yeah,
2: a hundred percent.
3: No offense. ABC Kirk, Kirk picked
2: TV. Colorado at UCLA. So Washington at Stanford is 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, October 28th. Colorado at UCLA is 7.30 on ABC. So people are like, Colorado's not that good. You guys are obsessed with Coach Prime. How could you pass up Washington? They're a really good team. Let me just tell you one thing. Listener, punt and pass,
0: Listen. loyalist.
2: <laughs> TV networks care about money. They care about people tuning in. Colorado, for better or for worse, this year right now is America's team. People want to see Prime. They get huge ratings. It's just like Taylor Swift on the NFL coverage. If she's in the building, people are going to watch. They're going to show her every third down. It's what pays the bills, folks. So, you know, I get get confused, get angry if you want
3: but it's just dollars and cents. I mean, that is quite frankly, the truth of the matter. <laughs> yeah. The truth
2: it? of the matter. No doubt about it. Uh, <laughs> before we go inside the five, any, I mean, any thoughts on the college football playoff? Because my thought process, I was on a uh, show called Follow the Money on VEASAN. It's an awesome radio show I listen to pretty much every morning. I said, if Alabama beats an undefeated Georgia, in the SEC Championship game. Okay, Georgia's 12 and 0, Alabama's 11 and 1. Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC Championship game. I said I have a hard time thinking They're the committee in. I said I have a hard time thinking the committee would leave out Alabama. And they go, "Okay, well what if Texas beats Oklahoma in the Big 12 Championship game with one loss, right? They lost to Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago. And now Texas has a win at Alabama by double digits and Washington's undefeated. And Florida State's undefeated. And it's just – my head was spinning. I was like, oh, my God, I'm not really ready to kind of break this down right now. They're saying that there could be a scenario in which Alabama beats an undefeated Georgia. They're the SEC title winner, and they don't get in because Texas would be have to be in over Alabama. They beat them in Tuscaloosa by 10 points. I was like, it's a great question. It's a great hypothetical. They were saying – Florida State, they were saying Ohio State, they were saying Michigan. You're sitting there going, it could be total chaos in about five, six weeks.
3: Hey, and, and this is just because Sam's in the room and I hear about it every day. North yeah. Carolina is 6-0. Oh. I know. Or do they play Florida State in the
2: regular season or is that just going to be in the ACC championship game?
3: I could not tell you. Um, I believe it's... Just in the ACC championship game. I think
2: so, too. I think they avoid – yeah, they do avoid Florida State. And UNC's hardest game on their schedule is against Duke. I mean, at Clemson could be a little tough. Clemson could be feisty there, obviously. But UNC could be undefeated. So the ACC championship game could be two undefeated teams, Florida State and North Carolina. The Big 12 championship game could be an undefeated Oklahoma going against a one-loss Texas team which lost to Oklahoma on the last play of the game. The SEC championship game could be one loss Alabama against a hypothetically undefeated Georgia. The PAC 12 title game could be undefeated Washington against a one loss Oregon team that lost essentially on the last play of the game. And then the big 10 title game, whoever comes out of the big 10 East probably wipes the floor with Iowa. I don't know if you've seen the stats on Iowa's offense. They're six and one Iowa's offense. They're averaging – I think they're the 114th ranked offense in the country. And their schedule heading to the Big Ten title game is absolute cakewalk. It's just – Really? It could be complete and total chaos heading into the college football playoff final rankings. First rankings come out Halloween night, Jake, just to let you know. So that's that's the week after next.
3: That is a little spooky. Yeah, I'm all – this is one of those times where I'm all in on an 18 playoff Eight
2: All team, in. so five yeah. conference winners and three at large.
3: Yeah, I think that's I think that's
2: fair. I think is too much, and I've told people this. I warn you: as soon as we go to twelve, they'll start clamoring for sixteen. Just buckle sure. up. It's, just it's always ready.
3: it's always more, man. It's always, always.
2: more. It's always, always more. More. That's, more. That's that's more. more. No question. We
3: we never yeah. have enough. You cannot satisfy the soul. No, the only thing cannot. that can satisfy in this world is Jesus. That's Amen. it. That's what I got for you tonight. Amen. Look, I totally agree. There's no doubt about it.
2: No doubt about it. Jesus would love for you to download the Prize Picks app. I do know that. He told me. Download the Prize Picks app. Use the promo code PUNT. You get a 100% deposit match up to your first $100. Usually, I give you the DB3 piece right here. I need to reinvent the DB3 piece. I need some listener help. I'm not going to give you my picks right now. I'm going to tweet out my picks on Friday. OK, I'm not going to get I'm down bad. I'm hurting. I need down help bad. from the people. OK, I need a new name. So Hammy, help me out. Liam, think about it. Jake, if anything pops into your head, let me know. I'm trying. I can't go with DB three piece anymore Um, because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I, I'm done with that. OK, I'm pointing the finger at myself. It is my fault. I take the blame. I'm an like adult. That. Okay. I'm an adult. That's what Adam Wexler, founder and CEO of Price Picks, would want me to do. Price Picks has been an unbelievable partner to Punt and Pass for the last few years. And we're going to start dishing out winners. Okay. So stick with me, people. Check out my social media at Drew Butler on Twitter and Instagram. Head on over to Prize Picks at Prize Picks on Twitter and Instagram, prizepicks.com. Download the Prize Picks app. If you use the promo code PUNT, you get a 100% deposit match up to $100. What does that mean? If you deposit $20, they give you $20. If you deposit $50, they give you $50. If you deposit $100, you're right. They give you $100. So download Prize Picks. Use the promo code PUNT. Two to six players more or less their prize picks projection, 25 extra money. I'm going to be in the lab all day tomorrow, okay? Literally all day, like dedicating time, effort, resources, telling my wife, I can't talk right now, telling my kids, I'm sorry, daddy was 45 minutes late to pick you up from school. I'm putting together a winning entry on prize picks, all right? And I'll have a new name for it as well. So if you came here just for that, check me out on social media. We'll get that going for this weekend. Sorry, people. Look, hand up. Hand up, okay? I apologize. All right, let's go. Let's go to Inside the Five. Five biggest games of the weekend. Jake Fromm just texted me a potential name for the new entry. We're not going to be using that name. It is apt, but not going to be using that one. Thanks, Jake. Keep working on it. I appreciate your thought process. First game, right out of the gates at noon Eastern on Fox – This has college football playoff implications in a big way. It's a top 10 matchup in the Big Ten. Number seven, Penn State at number three, Ohio State. Ohio State's a four and a half point favorite. The total here is 45 and a half points. Two undefeated teams. This is a great rivalry, Jake. This Big Ten East, man, it is absolutely stacked this
3: year. Dude, this is in the shoe. Um, Dude, Penn State's got a good football team. Good program going on right now. Ohio State, the only game uh, of Ohio State that I've watched this year has been that Notre Dame game. Yeah. Um, you know, they 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 played just good enough um, to win. And because of my father-in-law is a big Penn State guy. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm going to take the we are Penn State Nanny Lions in this one. I uh, would love to see it. I'd love just to to shake everything up. And then Penn State's one loss. Ohio State's one loss. And then Michigan ends up being one loss. And then it's just chaos. Chaos. I am, am voting for chaos.
2: All right. We're going to speculate. Okay. Coach Smart doesn't like speculation. That's all we do here. A couple statistics for you. First off, Penn State 6 and 0 against the spread this season. So they are covering oh. every single week. I think the quarterback matchup here is really intriguing. Kyle McCord against Drew Aller, two yeah. kind of unproven guys in the big moment. I will say, Kyle McCord, you just mentioned that Notre Dame game. Like, that was a big comeback for them. He's been tested on the road. This game, of course, is at home. Penn State hasn't won in Columbus since 2011. However, they have covered their last three games in Columbus. And the Buckeyes have won six straight in this rivalry, Jake. But they're just one in five against the spread. Wow. Here's the matchup. Penn State's only allowing 122 passing yards per game. Can they slow down Marvin Harrison Jr.? Notre Dame did a great job of that. This is a prove-it game for James Franklin. Dude, you haven't done squat against good teams while you've been at Penn State. You've made hay against the lesser competition. I will not devalue your coaching ability for that. But with all that being said, I like Penn State plus 4.5. I like Penn
3: State. Yeah, I'm with you. Is, is James Franklin the Big Ten's slightly better version of Mark Stoops. That's a
2: great question. I've never had anybody ask me that question before.
1: Yeah, I it's, would It's have, a
2: pretty. It's a pretty unique question. You know, for for better or worse, I have to give James Franklin a ton of credit for what he did at Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean he did he have a 10 win season at Vanderbilt 9 10 wins like Vanderbilt was a pretty damn good football team when James Franklin was the head coach so just for that I'd have to give him the nod over Mark Stoops but if he like if he goes out there and drops an egg this weekend like yeah he like put him in there cuz the Penn State fans are not going to be happy this is a great opportunity for Penn State they got a nasty defense I would, and that offense is pretty good too
3: I would last thing we'll say this I would love to see that um stat graphic that we did on mark stoops uh wins versus like ended up teams with a winning uh, record yeah yeah. i would love to see the side-by-side uh record of uh, james franklin uh, with that
2: absolutely i'm gonna try to find that one for you um all right 330 game on cbs number 17 tennessee at number 11 alabama this one kind of surprised me alabama a nine and a half point favorite The total was 48 and a half points. Nick Saban has coached 226 games at Alabama. And last week he got his 200th win. 200 wins out of 226 games. That is damn impressive. What do you think about this game? I mean, again, what a quarterback matchup. Jalen Milrow, Joe Milton, two absolute lightning rods for their fan bases. It's like, who won't make the big mistake? Like that, like that's the question mark who won't make the big mistake at the quarterback position. You'd have to tilt towards them to probably win the football game.
3: Yeah, that's, that's very well said. Uh, big props to uh, coach Saban on that. Cause that's so impressive. Um, I just, I see this game going one of two ways. Uh, I see this either being a tight game down the wire or an absolute Alabama beat down on Tennessee like there's no way they're gonna let Tennessee come into their place after what they did to them last year and just let them get away with it Tennessee's Tennessee's not the same football team um Joe Milton's still figuring a lot of things out I don't think they have the same dudes at receiver that they had um because they were just running all over the field up and down the field uh on Alabama last year um but I think this game is going to come down to the trenches a little bit, like which offensive line can protect their quarterback a little bit more. And I love what you said about not making the, the big mistake. Um, turnover battle win in the trenches. That's who wins this football game. You know, it's fascinating watching Tennessee last week
2: against Texas A&M. It was a horribly slop, horribly sloppy football game. Tennessee can run the ball. I was surprised that Josh Heupel wasn't sticking with it I mean, they were gashing Texas A and M, and I may or may not have said this on this very podcast in the last few weeks. But Joe Milton throws one of the prettiest spirals in all of college football. The problem oh. is he throws it to absolutely nobody. I mean, he'll chuck that thing, and the camera will follow. Like, damn, that's pretty, and there ain't a receiver within ten yards of it. I'm like, what? What is going on here? And the funniest thing, and he did it against Texas A and M. I turn the game on, first possession, drop back pass. You see like a drag route across the field. The poor guy's like seven yards from Joe Milton. And I mean, he throws a 104 mile an hour fastball at his face. I was like, what is going on here? Have you not learned at this point? Now, Now, granted, I am that guy now sitting on my couch, having a beer like you suck. Like that, that's what I do now. Damn well knowing he's a better athlete than I'll ever be. But I'm like Joe Milton. Come on, man. Just, just, just lob it over there to him. Let him catch it. Turn up field and get some yards. Eight of the last eleven meetings in this rivalry have gone over the total. Tennessee has lost nine. Ga- Tennessee has lost its last nine games in Tuscaloosa, but they're four and five against the spread. I think this is a big revenge factor for Alabama. I just don't see how Tennessee is going to be able to produce much if Milton is under pressure, which I think they will put him under. It's a big number, but I think it's a big number for a reason. I would have to imagine Tennessee's a pretty public play here.
3: I'll lay nine and a half to Alabama. That's where I'm at. It's one of those things where it just doesn't make sense. So, so you do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. When they zig, you Zach. When they yeah, yeah. That's it. I agree. That's what I got. 7
2: for PM you. on ESPN, number 13. Ole Miss at Auburn. Ole Miss is a six and a half point favorite. I thought that line was kind of low. The total here is 56 and a half. Look, Auburn's a tough place to play. This is a great SEC West rivalry. I will say this. Ole Miss is ranked 13th. They have won loss right now. Lane Kiffin always starts messing up this time of year. They always drop a game that they shouldn't lose, and it wrecks their chances of getting into the SEC title game. Depending on what happens in that early game, if Tennessee knocks off Alabama, Ole Miss has a track to make it.
3: They do? they got uh, to be, be, they well, beat LSU later in the year, right?
2: Yeah. And LSU, yes, Alabama has to beat LSU later in the year. I don't know. For some reason, and, and you know, Hugh Freeze does not have his first SEC victory yet. At home, at night, Jordan-Hare Stadium. Maybe it's yeah. one of those games where Ole Miss has three turnovers, gets kind of nasty. What do you think, Jake? You liking where I'm going with that one?
3: Yeah, it's a little
2: spooky. Give me the six. I'll just say this: give me the six and a half points with Auburn. I know they're having a little bit of trouble finding some consistency at the quarterback position. But, deep, but I'll deep, be damned deep, if this is not the quintessential
3: game that Lane Kiffin drops. Auburn's a a good defense got absolutely exposed last week against LSU. Auburn's defense did. Like I just don't see them having a back to back game like that.
2: Yeah, Auburn's on a three-game skid. They lost to Texas A&M twenty-seven to ten. They had a lot of turnovers. They lost to Georgia twenty-seven to ten. They kind of tricked that game off in the second half, and then they got exposed last week against LSU. I don't point, know. I just think this is the this is the sneaky game. At some point, you got to stop the bleeding. And who does Ole Miss play next? Of oh, Vanderbilt. So it's not exactly a look-ahead game. Hmm. I don't know. I think Ole Miss, and I'll say this, Ole Miss is by far the scariest game left on Georgia's schedule. Like, by far the scariest game left on Georgia's schedule. Yeah, I know Tennessee's at Tuscaloosa. Ah. I know Tennessee's at Knoxville. But when you look at Ole Miss's offense and you look at the trouble that Georgia's had against mobile quarterbacks and offenses that can get on the perimeter, um, Quinshawn Junkins and Jackson Dart and Lane Kiffin calling those plays – That would give me a little bit reason to say you might want to think twice about just chalking that one up as a W for the dogs.
3: Great point. Great point about the mobile quarterback.
2: Give me six and a half with Auburn in this game. Watch out. Watch out for a little money line action on that one, too. That game, to me, I might be dead wrong. That game, to me, is one that I'm running my radar up.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Let's
2: do it. Number 16, Duke, at number four, Florida State. Florida State undefeated. In the ACC, I really like Florida State. Florida State's a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. The total here is 48-and-a-half points, 7.30 p.m. on A, B, C. Is Riley Leonard back for Duke yet? I don't believe so.
3: I don't believe uh, so. You know who would know? My teammate Sam Howell, man. he, yes, loved, he would know. He loves his ACC stuff, man. Um. You know, but I do know that Jordan Travis is really good, and he's got some dudes. Yeah, he does.
2: Receiver. Keon Coleman.
3: Woo! He put on a show last dudes. week. I mean, it just seems like every time he just throws it up and these guys go make a play, or they're they're pointing at a, a DB to come press him, and they're calling their shots, and they are executing on their shots. Um, I like Florida State in this one because it's at home. Um, I think if it was on the road, it would be a little different. Uh, matter just because i uh, i believe notre dame played duke they did and they lost to duke correct duke, uh, it, oh, notre, dame, did beat duke. notre, notre dame, dame beat duke notre dame beat duke that's late, yeah that's when duke. riley leonard got injured yeah. correct? that's right um but dude, duke's, duke's a, a tough football team and they're gonna play really hard
2: Says uh, there was some speculation that the bye week would give Roddy Leonard enough time to recover for the matchup against NC State, but he did not play last week, so he very well may could be back against Florida State. That line of 13 and a half would have to make me think that he's not playing, so I just yeah. like Florida State. I've, I've for whatever reason, gotten locked on to a few of their games Obviously watched that entire Clemson game, saw a good bit of their game against Syracuse last week. I thought last week at home against Syracuse was like a a trap game for them. And, dude, they just put it on them. I mean, 41-3, to Trey Benson gets going out of the backfield. Keon Coleman with some just crazy acrobatic catches. Seems like Mike Norvell's got it going on down there. I think Florida State's going to be one of the four college football playoff teams, so I will take them here. All right, last game. Let's go out west and finish things up. Number 14, Utah at number 18, USC. Southern Cal, seven-point favorite? Are you kidding me? The total here is 56. This game's at 8 p.m. on Fox. Southern Cal with that defense, they shouldn't be favored against anybody. I don't know what's going on. And keep in mind, Utah beat Southern Cal twice last year, beat them in the Pac-12 title game, which knocked Southern Cal out of the college football playoff.
3: Yeah, uh, I would love – to believe that USC says man like I hope there's enough about them and those guys on that team to say I'm not letting this this Utah team get the best of me three Again. times can't do it can't have it uh and they're coming off a loss uh to Notre Dame man I think they got to come out swinging um just just to prove to everybody that uh that, that we got something to us here uh, we're some we're some competitive dudes, and uh, we want to make a run at this college football playoff. San Jose State scored twenty eight on USC. Arizona State scored
2: twenty eight. Colorado scored forty one. Arizona scored forty one. Notre Dame scored forty eight. And I know they turned the ball over a lot against Notre Dame last week, but um, you've got to address the defensive inefficiencies at some point. And it just seems like Utah is the kind of team that will just walk in and punch them in the face. If you want to know the type of culture that head coach Kyle Whittingham has built at Utah, it's this kick Southern cows ass. That that's the culture. Like we build our program on beating the Southern cow Cal Trojans, Caleb Williams. You don't think that he will want some revenge. I don't know. I just don't think Utah's defense will allow Southern Cal's offense to get activated. Could you see Southern Cal dropping two duds in a week? You just said it, Jake. Like you hope those guys show you enough to say that ain't us. That's not what we're about, but you have to go Utah here. I know it's in the Coliseum. You got to go Utah. I mean, they just, that's like one of those things earlier this season when Tennessee went down to Florida, is this different? Yeah, it should be. No, it's not. That's like when we were growing up and Georgia had to go down to Jacksonville. Is it different this year? No, it's not. You lose again. I think Utah is the team this weekend in this matchup. Some
3: great points. However, Utah's quarterback, Cam Rising, still not playing. Still out. They're still playing with some backup dudes. And Caleb Williams is number one overall pick. Yeah, he is. There's no doubt about that. He's going to make some stuff happen. He's going to make some stuff happen. The Trojans will come out victorious.
2: Oh, going with USC. I like it. I dig it. I dig it for sure. Got a great weekend of college football lined up. I love college football. I really do. NFL is getting good too right now, man. The weather's changing. We've been saying it for the past couple of weeks.
3: It's a great time to be alive. It's a great time to be alive, man. That it is.
2: Awesome, my man. All right, good deal. Week 8 on deck. Be sure to follow us on social media, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. He's at from JakePuntingPass.com. This episode, you already know, it's been presented to you by our great partners at Prize Picks. I will have my entry up on social media on Friday. Tweet at me, give me advice, let me know what it should be called. Help me out, people. I am begging you. We're going to get a winner this weekend. Go to PrizePicks.com, download the Prize Picks app, use the promo code Punt. You get a 100% deposit match up to your first $100.
3: Anything on the way out, brother? And if you're wondering why we didn't talk about uh, Georgia's matchup this weekend, it's because we know already they will go 1-0 and this weekend. Don't worry about it. Put all your money in the bank on that game. Yeah,
2: of course. They're going to win that inner squad scrimmage on probably Wednesday, and then they all get to go. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. All right, brother man. Well, you are great. Good luck this weekend against those New York Giants. And everybody, we will talk to you on Monday. See you.